Don Gerica on SAFM. It's the viewpoint on SAFM. New smoking laws are coming. Open for public comment. And it looks as if they're going to give us some time, unlike some toll roads that was a very short period of time. The Portfolio Committee on Health has opened the Tobacco Products and Electronic Delivery Systems Control Bill for public comment. Let's talk to co-founder of Vaping Saved My Life, Kurt Yeo. Uh, Kurt, thank you very much for joining us. First of all, what is Vaping Saved My Life? Good evening, John, and good evening to all your listeners. So Vaping Saved My Life is a consumer advocacy movement that was started in uh, 2017. And basically what it is is a group of uh, former smokers, now vapers, mm. that uh, share information and knowledge around uh, vaping and uh, are engaged with uh, this process. Vaping relatively new compared to smoking. Smoking has been around for millennia. Are we? Do we know whether vaping is going to save people's lives? We see some horrific stories, though. Well, vaping has been around for almost 20 years now. Um, it was created in about uh, Chinese pharmacist in 2003. It became commercially available in 2006 in the United States and in Europe. And in 2008, we saw the, the formation of TWISP, which is South Africa's uh, former e-cigarette giant. Mm. There's, there's enormous amount of evidence that smoking, or sorry, vaping is significantly less harmful than, than smoking. And with that, the, the likelihood of it being dangerous or improving people's lives um, is, 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 is great. Uh, those horror stories are based on illicit products or black market products. We saw stories in 2019, especially coming out of the United States, which involved illicit THC products and not nicotine vapes. Okay, so when you hear those kind of stories, Kurt, you must be quite happy with this new control bill that there will be standardization of vaping. Well, I don't believe there would be some kind of standardization. I think, you know, they are talking about standardization. Um, however, to what degree is, 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 is problematic or concern to us? In what way? Well, you know, they're looking at in terms of, uh, you know, banning flavors, looking at the components, looking at the, you know, the, 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 the you know, the, the size and the product itself. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch of those standards around it. But if you look at, for example, flavors, flavors are critically important in this process. So banning flavors is going to make these products ineffective. But flavors also what really entices the kids. Well, I, you know, I think that's, that's a little bit of a, a, a misunderstanding. There. You know, all vape products, all vaping liquids do have a flavor. Even a tobacco is a flavor. It's not derived from tobacco. It's a tobacco flavor. But when you look at, for example, stats that came out of the United States, the CDC's National Youth Tobacco Survey, flavors only featured number seven as the reason why kids use the products. Anxiety and depression was number mm-hmm. one. And also, you know, peer pressure is another thing. But if we also look at those same stats, we'll notice that since 2019, youth, youth vaping has dropped by 50%. One of the issues as well is lumping traditional tobacco with e-cigarettes. What is the problem with that? Well, they're two very different products. One is the burning of a tobacco product or burning of tobacco leaf, creating a smoke, whereas vaping is heating an e-liquid that contains nicotine, which is not combustion. And we now know for decades 
it, it's a combustion, the smoke that causes all the harm and not the nicotine. When you remove combustion from the equation, you're removing almost all of the harm. Well, nicotine is still very addictive. Nicotine is addictive. There's no doubt about it, but so is caffeine. <laughs> it's what, how, that, how that, uh, that product is delivered. So if it's delivered through a method of combustion, that is what's making it so dangerous. So if nicotine is so addictive and so dangerous, we, under, we need to understand that it falls part of the essential medicine list in the World Health Organization mm-hmm. in forms of nicotine replacement therapy. And nicotine replacement therapies are now available off the, off the shelf at mm-hmm. most uh, pharmacies. So we acknowledge that it is addictive, but it's not the nicotine that's killing people or killing 8 million people around the world, or at least 14,000 South Africans. It's the combustion itself. Are you a fan then of regulation of, of normal smoking, tobacco smoking? I think I'm a fan of regulations as long as it's appropriate and it's based on, on science and evidence. I think e-cigarettes need to be, or vaping needs to be regulated, mm. but it needs to be regulated very differently to what we see in cigarettes. Because the idea is, and it's always been the idea, is to reduce the harm and eliminate the, 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 the harm that is associated with smoking. And if we have a product that can do that, but still help people um, and off-ramps to, to safer products, mm. we should regulate them accordingly. The one thing with vaping is the whole secondary smoke thing. Would you want people to be allowed to, to vape in an office or in a public space? In an enclosed public space? Absolutely not. All right. Absolutely not. But I do believe there should be a, a location, like we have, for example, um, smoking areas in this building, that should be dedicated to smoke, actually vapors. But we should be, you know, I don't believe that vaping should be in enclosed public areas at all. I guess you also don't want vapors. You don't want vapors in a smoking room either, because of the secondhand smoke. Yes, I mean, in trying to, you know, quitting smoking is <laughs> yeah. incredibly difficult exercise to do. Vaping just happens to be the most effective way of doing it. But I mean, it's like having an AA meeting in a in a bar. It's just, you know, it's not it's not something that you want to do. Um, so the idea of vaping is to try eliminate mm. that harm as much as possible, and and therefore. You know, I I don't believe we should have um, smoking and vaping which joint. You know, I think we need to create some kind of incentive for people to move to safer alternatives and guess, help them in a process of quitting. My guest is Kurt Yo. We're going to continue talking with him about this tobacco law in a minute. Co-founder of Vaping Saved My Life. Stay close. You are listening to John Gerica on SFM. My guest, uh, guest is co-founder of Vaping Save My Life, Kurt Yo. Uh, Kurt, we're talking about the public comment on the, and I'm going to read the whole thing, Tobacco Products and Electronic Delivery Systems Control Bill. Will you be giving some comments? Absolutely. What, um, what is the comment you will give? Well, I think one of the most important comments is that we don't believe that the National Department of Health has uh, spent enough time on distinguishing the difference between these, between these product categories. If we look at the bill in depth, even at the very beginning, the definition of smoke refers to anything that's inhaled and exhaled, which, you know, is, is, is incorrect, really. Um, so, you know, and all the other sections and causes in this bill lumps vaping products and combustible tobacco products in the same way. 
even down to the penalties and, and, and sanctions that mm. will be issued to individuals that breach it. And I believe if we want to really look at becoming a smoke-free country, we need to grab those opportunities like tobacco harm reduction. It's just one of those solutions that we could offer the population or offer the population of smokers as a route off or route out of it. And the bill doesn't do that. So our comments will be based around trying to establish or trying to highlight that there are a significant difference between these product categories and they cannot be regulated in the same way. Okay. All right, so let, let's, for, from your perspective, Kurt, then, from, from a vaping perspective, wh- I'm going to r- run through some of the, uh, the bill broadly that it's going to be seeking. Regulating, uh, regulating uh, vaping, it doesn't make sense, it's, it's too broad for me, but regulate the sale and advertising of electronic delivery systems. You can't have a problem with that. Um, yes, I, I agree with that, but I mean, it needs to be appropriate if they ban, you know, complete sale and advertising of these products. How do you get people to know that they exist? So we're talking about, for example, all the products being <laughs> right. removed off the, all the, all the products being removed off shelf. Yes. You cannot have these products available on, um, on social media or even on the internet. So if you take, for example, the average smoker that wants to find out about quitting, which 70% of long-term smokers do, mm. how do they know what information is available out there? So I could agree completely, 100%, remove some of this, this, this fancy, bright lights, youth-attracting advertising, mm. and get back to the real essence around what vaping is. Vaping is a tool to help people quit smoking as well as providing with a safe alternative. So, so if you look at the packaging as well, the yes. packaging, we need to remove things like cartoon characters. We need to remove strange and fancy names like unicorn, candy frosting. Yes. I agree that we need to be very descriptive and very clear as to what this product is and what contains these products. But to remove them completely is really a problem. So the one thing you might have a problem with is the prohibiting the free distribution of e-cigarettes. I guess the point of free distribution is it's like giving out, I don't know, it's like giving out something for free to stop somebody from doing something bad. It, it just makes sense. Well, I must be honest, John. I actually haven't received a free product since I walk into a shop. <laughs> True. You know? no, but at, um, at a marketing event, for example, or, a, or at a medical I, event. You know, I've been a vapor for 10 years, and pretty much the products that if I want a product, I buy it. However, when it comes to, for example, you are going into a vape shop, yes. and there is hundreds of flavors available to you. Those flavors there, there is, a, there is options of you being able to taste that particular flavor. So that, that might be an issue for some people. Mm. But for somebody that's looking for that flavor or a particular flavor, that's something that's critical in that process. Because if you're going to now buy a bottle, and particularly with the excise that's been put in place, where we're seeing up to 200% increase on these products, you buying the correct product is now becoming critically mm. important. So if I'm going to spend, for example, I now, the, the type of vape I am is a very low milligram strength but a high volume product. It can cost me up to 600 rand for a bottle of Uniquid. And if I take a product of e-liquid and that flavor isn't something that I enjoy, mm. that's, you know, that's mm. a significant amount of money being thrown away. 
And, you know, when, you, when they taste, taste these products, or, you know, if you taste these products, they generally not, don't have nicotine in them. They generally are yearning, just to give you an understanding of what that taste is. This might be problematic for some people, but for vapors, it, it is a critical element. Uh, quickly, Kurt, somebody's just sent us a message. Kat in Peter Marisburg says, uh, can you tell us about the popcorn lung caused by vaping? Oh, you know, John, if I had one rant for every time I heard popcorn lung, I wouldn't be having this conversation this year. I'd probably be on some kind of beach in Mauritius. But, you know, popcorn lung came around uh, from an event that happened in 2000 in a popcorn, uh, microwave popcorn factory in Missouri, where a product by the name of the acetal was found to be the cause of popcorn lung. So eight individuals in this popcorn factory contracted this disease called bronchiolitis obliterans, which is a very, very serious disease. And it was really inhaling decades worth of this battery flavored that they used to just spread over the microwave micro popcorns um, you know, products. In 2016, they started testing e-liquids, and they found out that some of the e-liquids out there had this diacetyl. Mm. And that then, you know, they created a correlation, uh, not a causation, a correlation between the acetyl was the cause of these popcorn lung diseases in Missouri in 2000 in a popcorn factory. And now we have the acetyl found in the e-liquid, and that e-liquid therefore could create popcorn lung. Now, unfortunately, there's a very old adage in pharmacology that's been around for at least 400 years that the dose makes the poison. The response from that in 2016 is the acetyl was removed from the concentrates that are used in e-liquids. The majority of e-liquids that we find now don't have any diacetyl in it. Okay, the so other issue the okay. other issue is the acetyl is found in smoke as well. Seven mm-hmm. times, 700 times more than the strongest e-liquid ever tested. But we don't see popcorn in the smokers. So it's one of those myths that's just, put, you know, just continued mm. on a life of its own. Everybody believes in popcorn, but there's never ever been a single case in the last 18 years of voting of popcorn. Okay, and so so when the government wants to standardise the manufacturing of electronic delivery systems, this. This is this example that you're giving is a good thing because they found the bad uh, ingredient and they took it out and said it can't be in vaping anymore. So that's a good so, law. Exactly. So if you take, for example, the DSI, which is the British standard in e-liquids, the acetyl and a number of other components or, or compounds that are found in e-liquids are definitely uh, prohibited. Mm. And that's the same kind of standard that you need to see in the locally produced products is that we look at some of the components or some of the compounds that are found in these e-liquids and make sure that they don't exist. That's a standard I do not disagree with at all. I think that is a perfectly good standard. But if we started to look at removing all flavors and capping nicotines and reducing the size of the products, Mm -hmm. then we started to look at some very serious issues that do not uh, do well for people to quit or people to Mm -hmm. use the product. It then becomes a hindrance. Right, fascinating conversation. Kurt Yo, thank you very much for the education. Co-founder of Vaping Save My Life. The new smoking laws for South Africa are coming. They're open for public comment. If you want to get involved, uh, let us know what you think. We've just taken the perspective of uh, vapors.
love to know from you. If you're a smoker, if you go to the shops and you still buy a pack of 20s or a carton of however many's, uh, do you, does this affect you at all? The fact that there will be no advertising at all. When you go to the shops, you won't be able to see the cigarettes, according to the law. They're not allowed to sell it to kids, which I thought was against the law anyway. Um, what else? They're going to regulate the packaging. So it's going to look, are they all going to look the same? They're all going to have the massive warnings on. Uh, other countries have put pictures of, of people dying, people in mouths, gross mouths and lungs on their packaging. What do you feel about that? Let us know. You can give us a WhatsApp voice note, 0614 104